Good morning. Have you taken part in the DEFRA consultation, which will shape the future of farming for decades to come? If not, this message could be aimed at you. And that is, if you don't take part in this consultation in one way or another, then you won't be heard. Then your view won't be aired. More from Farmer Tom soon, plus the president of the CLA, fresh from his meeting in the week with Michael Gove. This should give us a chance to plan a better future for British agriculture but they must understand the fact that it has to come from the basis of profitable farming. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. There's a saying, let he who shouts the loudest be heard first. And there are concerns, with the clock ticking, that not enough of those in agriculture are shouting, or at least taking part, in the government command paper, the Health and Harmony Consultation, aimed at the future of food, farming and the environment in a green Brexit. The deadline of May the 8th is fast approaching, a week on Tuesday to be exact, but with many behind with spring drilling, thanks to the weather, are enough in farming finding the time to do the consultation, all 60 pages of it. Even a senior DEFRA advisor this week urged farmers to respond to balance what he described as the bulk of views that are already coming from green lobby groups. We've already heard some of those views from the former Green Party leader Natalie Bennett speaking to this programme two weeks ago. You know, what I'd like to see is fields, which I've seen, for example, in Germany, you know, fields farmed in much smaller strips, a mixed biodiversity, different crops, much greater variety of crops. So looking, looking at a much more biodiverse kind of culture... I think there's some real questions about whether we can be growing rapeseed in Britain. You know, it's become a huge crop, a massive crop, but it's a very chemically um, dependent crop. What needs to change here also is that um, you know, to do these things, he needs probably to be paid more. That means we then have an issues of, you know, cheap food. Some people can't feed themselves in Britain even now with current food prices. So we're talking about the whole structure of society here. But coming back to the sort of the ecology of it, you know, we're looking at some of the studies that have come out recently in, in Germany, the study that showed that 75% of insects have been lost in the last three decades and just last month the study from France that showed wild bird populations down a third in just 15 years. You, It's a reminder of, of how much we have created a chemical countryside and how much we, we've poisoned so much and that we can't keep going that way. Natalie Bennett there. Well, of course, while I'm talking about the Green Lobby, I should mention that on Friday, you may be heard, EU member states voted for an extension to the Neonics ban, ending its use in all crops, including sugar beet and cereals. It means growers will only now be able to use them in greenhouses. That follows a lengthy campaign by environmentalists. He who shouts loudest. Uh, So back to the consultation with the deadline approaching. There has been uh, quite a campaign online, not to tell you what to say, but just to make sure those in agriculture do have a say. Otherwise, it is left to the environmentalists. Tom Martin goes by the name of Farmer Tom on social media. This is what he's told his followers direct from the cab of his tractor. I've noticed a lot of people recently exhibiting various different brands of apathy, giving excuses as to why they they shouldn't fill in the uh, consultation or make a response. I've heard from busy fools who tell me that in the 10 weeks of the consultation period they don't have a few hours to fill in the form. I've heard from conspiracy theorists who are telling me that the government planned the consultation to be for the period February to May because they knew that farmers would be busy and they hoped they wouldn't be able to respond. I've heard from those channeling teenage angst saying what's the point they won't listen to us anyway I've heard from those with significance issues who say well there's a hundred thousand people responding expect or an anticipated hundred thousand people responding and what difference will my voice make and I've heard from those who are just plain old shirkers saying well I'm a member of the NFU 
they'll just respond anyway, or even if I'm not a member, they'll respond anyway, and, uh, and I, don't, I don't have to do that. Guys, the consultation is open till the 8th of May, and I want to give you today one cast iron guarantee. It's a Farmer Tom Assured guarantee, and that is if you don't take part in this consultation in one way or another, then you won't be heard, then your view won't be aired. And my second guarantee is that the, is that the people who will write in will be uh, the busybodies, will be those who want to meddle, will be those uh, single, um, single interest pressure groups, those who really want to affect the, how the countryside uh, and farming and food production is going to run in the next 25 years. So if you don't have your say, then other people will still be having their say. And if you don't have your say, then you automatically forgo any grumbling rights for the next two to three decades. Guys, it's four hours, uh, or it's up to four hours. You, you could just write a couple of sentences uh, on a couple of points, but really it's up to four hours, uh, and I think it's worth uh, taking part, even if you have to give up three or four hours of sleep to, to take a part in this. Make your voice heard. Don't be silent. Now is the time. The views of Farmer Tom, or from Tom to Tim, Tim Brightmare is president of the CLA. Tim, you met Michael Gove on Tuesday at DEFRA to discuss the consultation. What did you tell him? Well, uh, we, our basic premise is that um, uh, we do agree with the broad thrust of his policy moving towards a system of payment for public goods. Uh, however, there is quite a large but that follows that. Um, I mean, we certainly tried to make him understand that um, his new vision of, uh, of an environmental land management policy has to be much broader than, I think, the environmental bit. Uh, it needs to be voluntary and flexible. Uh, and above all else, two points. Firstly, it needs to be um, sufficient incentive for farmers to actually really want to engage with it. Uh, and also a system that um, is in place to deliver it that really, really does deliver uh, and is able to deliver, unlike perhaps some of the um, disasters that we've seen uh, in recent past. And we did sort of uh, make a fairly heavy rider that um, we are very disappointed with one particular phrase that actually is on page 20 of the um, consultation, where uh, we really feel it rather shows that, that, uh, that they don't necessarily understand the real pressures that are out there at the moment for the farming industry. Uh, with the statement that they feel that on average farmers without direct payments could um, uh, be profitable. Uh, and you've only got to look at the total income from farming for 2016 uh, to see that 90% of farmers rely totally on that, um, uh, that support from the European Union. But it's a provocative statement because it actually means that um, uh, they feel the farmer is profitable if he's making one pound. Um, and um, uh, that's not a good way to start um, trying to engage with the industry and moving it from a system it's been used to for the last 40 years uh, to a new system going forward. And what my next point to him was very clearly uh, that um, we've got to try and deliver this change, which, yes, we recognise is needed, um, but we've got to do it with farmers and not in spite of them. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that brings one on to the whole business of how they envisage their transition taking place. Uh, and the, the notion of a cap uh, on some of the larger claimants, which is most definitely not just wealthy landowners, but hard-working farmers who, who've built up progressive farming businesses. And they're the ones that are going to get hit hardest. Uh, whilst, in fact, 80% of the industry, certainly to start with, um, aren't in fact affected by his transition plan at all, if, if they went ahead with that notion of a cap. So we, we made the point to him following on from that, that really we do feel that um, uh, they need to look very clearly at um, 
their plan of how to transition uh, because it needs to really get the message to all of farming uh, that changes in the air and so really uh, their transition plan should cover the whole industry um, and start with small increments uh, particularly whilst they um, you know, get their plans in place and that sort of uh, that led me on to really um, uh, when transition would start and I, I made the point to him that um, at the moment there's such huge uncertainty out there because of Brexit and we do need we do need clarity uh, and uh, we put down three very clear markers and riders to him and one of which I think I'm already in a little bit of trouble with with some people but um, uh, we first of all said that uh, we need to know what our trade position is going to be like in the future because that, that affects so uh, critically both the cereals industry and the lamb and the beef in particular uh, because we rely on getting rid of that exportable surplus to, uh, for the price to remain stable in this country. The, the thing that should go alongside that, and which there's very, very little detail in the consultation, is also their vision of how they're going to make uh, British agriculture more productive and more profitable. Uh, there are some grandiose statements about how they see that happening. But until we see the detail of that, it's very difficult to see how stripping money out from the industry wouldn't be very damaging before they've got that plan in place. And then finally, I come back to the, um, uh, the whole business for public goods. Uh, if that is their vision for the future, then we've got to make sure that it is a scheme that's designed for farmers, with farmers uh, helping design it, so that it's realistic and um, applicable to what's happening on the ground and that it has a administrative system in place that isn't the hideous experience uh, that most farmers would say they are having at the moment. Certainly, uh, pun intended, giving him plenty of uh, food for thought. I mean, what, what kind of response did you get back from Mr. Go? Um, I think he, um, uh, he, he wouldn't commit himself to anything, but I think he acknowledged that um, with the consultation responses they've, um, they've seen so far and also the events they've run around the country, uh, he was very surprised by the fact that actually almost across the board uh, in all sectors, uh, they've been given this message that it should involve everybody and that it should start slowly uh, and move from there. And that was the first point. I think he did also acknowledge the fact that um, uh, the intention to cap just a, a small amount of the industry, yes, it was provocative. Um, and he, w he listened to what we had to say about that, um, but certainly wouldn't commit. But interestingly, um, he did say that um, originally that they had had another option uh, for a um, reduction across the board within the consultation originally. One message that is certainly coming through, even a senior advisor for DEFRA said this week, farmers have to have their say on this consultation. Time is running out, isn't it? It certainly is, and we've been um, trying to encourage our members um, wherever they possibly can, when not deluged with BPS paperwork at exactly the same time, um, to have their say. This is a once-in-a-generation and a lifetime chance to really influence uh, government's thinking uh, for a future which could uh, very definitely produce a better future for British farming if it is planned properly. You mentioned there about BPS. Uh, timing's not perfect for this consultation, is it? I mean, it's 60 pages. It'd take about four hours to do, depending how detailed you want to get involved into it. There's BPS, there's late drilling taking place, but you need to find that time between now and what, a week on Tuesday now? 
<laughs> Regrettably, it will be. Uh, but um, uh, I think uh, all of us could narrow down our thoughts into three or four fairly pithy paragraphs. Um, and that in itself is a very powerful message to government that um, the individual has been prepared to spend that time on really drawing out uh, his main concerns. This should give us a chance to plan a better future for British agriculture but they must understand the fact that it has to come from the basis of profitable farming, which can then deliver environmental enhancement for the future, um, uh, which would be uh, the benefit to everybody. Tim Brightmare, president of the CLA. As I mentioned earlier, the Health and Harmony consultation ends a week on Tuesday, so there isn't that much time left if you do want to take part. You'll find all the details and how to get involved on the DEFRA website. Sean Sparling is here with your agronomy news in a moment. First to grain, and it's Rebecca Pierce from Open Field this week. Morning, Sean. What's uh, what's happening out there? UK markets seem to have lost momentum this week, a bit like our weather, as news of imported wheat discharging in the north of England and further imports en route to the UK takes the edge of what have recently been some of the highest ex-farm values we've seen this year. Cash prices for feed wheat at the farm gate seem to have run out of steam with prices back near £5 a tonne on the week, very much in line with the drop on the wheat futures market, with London wheat futures back from six-month highs last week of 148 for May 18 to 143 for May 18 this week. The bubble appears to have burst and I personally can't see markets returning to these recent high levels as consumers appear to have adequate cover going forward and there's only a few months of the marketing season left. With feed wheat values edging lower, it has made the premiums for milling wheat look more favourable, with premiums now circa £10 a tonne for full-spec Group 1s, dependent on your area. Looking ahead to new crop wheat, and there's little fresh news. Currency and politics continue to play just as big a role as the weather, with winter crops in the UK seeing some much-needed sunshine last week, and over in America, a warm, dry forecast for the Midwest is helping to aid their spring planting progress, which is currently behind the five-year average. And the most recent crop conditions report seen on Monday from America shows the state of their winter wheat crops as unchanged versus last week, with 31% of their crops rated good to excellent. Feed barley values are considerably lower this week. After being bulletproof for a while, I think the recent warmer weather has seen a reduced demand from the compounders. And as a result, feed barley levels are trading around a £10 a tonne discount to wheat. Despite many farmers cracking on with spring barley drilling over the weekend and into this week, new crop barley values remain attractive and at present remain unchanged versus a week ago. Personally, in my area in East Yorkshire, growers can achieve north of £130 a tonne ex-combine with a strong carry through until November. Like the cereal markets, the UK oilseeds market has come under further pressure this week from news of imports destined for UK shores next month, with some of the trade speculating as many as five cargoes are heading our way. Values at the farm gate are static and I'm struggling to see an upside with more left on farm unsold than we'd originally thought and the window of opportunity reducing. New crop values could see some support from news that over in the major oilseed rate producing areas of Australia, soil moisture levels remain extremely low, with little to no rainfall forecast in the coming weeks. Let's take a look at prices. As I mentioned, feed wheat values for May have edged lower and are circa £145 to £148 a tonne ex-farm with no carry into June. New crop wheat for November is trading around £143 to £147 a tonne. Your current premiums on full-spec Group 1s are trading at around £10 a tonne. 
Feed barley values are considerably lower than previous weeks, with prices at the farm gate anywhere from 138 to £143 a tonne for May. Old crop oilseed rate prices are relatively unchanged, around £285 a tonne for May, area dependent, with values off combine circa £275 a tonne, with £285 to £290 a tonne available for November. As always, for exact prices, X your farm gate. Please get in touch with the Openfield farm business team. Thank you, Bex. Rebecca Pearce from Openfield. To Sean then, looking after your crops. Morning, Sean. How's your health and harmony? Yes, good morning, Sean. The health and harmony green Brexit consultation. It trips off the tongue, doesn't it? But it, it's giving me some sleepless nights, I'll tell you. Um, and let me tell you why. Because what the, the purpose of this policy document is, this consultation, is that people give their opinions on what will shape the way forward once long after we've left the EU and probably long after direct payments have ceased to farms. And this is how we're going to protect the environment, how we take things forward. Um, I know from talking to people at the top of this consultation that by far the most numerous and vocal people who are commenting on this consultation are Greenpeace, Friends of the Earth, um, Soil Association, organic lobbyists, NGOs, environmental lobbyists. So it is vital that modern agriculture has its say and tells the government exactly what we do on farms to protect the environment, promote the environment, protect wildlife, bird life, the ecosystem and the whole wider water environment and indeed the whole wider countryside. But as well as that, why all that is important and food production is equally as important. So you need to tell the government what you're doing, what measures you're taking on your farm, and why we're already doing a lot of the things that it's being suggested we are not by some of these groups. So if you think about it, in the UK we grow just over 4,664,000 hectares of arable crops. Forget about livestock, forget about grassland. Arable crops, so grains, cereals, root vegetables, vegetables, um, salad crops, nuts, fruits, all of those things, arable crops, 4,664,000 hectares. Of that, 57,000 hectares is produced organically. So the arable crop production in the organic side is 57,000 hectares. That's 1% of the total food that's produced. So if you want modern agriculture after Brexit, after direct payments to farmers have ceased, to be shaped around what the opinions of the 1% are, then sit on your hands and do absolutely nothing. If you want 99% of the arable crop producers in the UK to tell the government what they're doing on their farms and why what they're doing works for the environment, you need to start shouting. And I'm just worried that people aren't shouting loud enough. It will shape the future of agriculture, so it's vital that we are represented in that consultation. So get off your backside. You've got nine days to do it. A week on Tuesday it closes. Not a lot of time. It's running out. So let's move on to agronomy then. Big difference this last week. Lovely weather at the end of last week. I'm hoping that wasn't summer. By Thursday this week, I'm walking fields in a hat and gloves again. It was absolutely bitter. But that warm weather has changed things noticeably in the field. If you remember last week, I said the wheats were growing, but the nodes weren't really moving within those plants. Well, if you cut them open today, we've talked about filicron. That's the temperature that encourages leaf production. It's very clear the nodes are now moving and that leaf three is beginning to emerge quite widely out there in the field. So even if you've only had your T0 on for a week, you need to start thinking about getting that T1 on. You're always going to be better to be four days early than four days late. And looking at the forecast, four days early might be a very good option. Um, back to rain again, unsettled conditions next week. Um, 
it's concerning, but it's not insurmountable. So be prepared, get a plan in place. For goodness sake, use a good quality triazole, epoxyconazole, prothioconazole, probably an SDHI in there as well, because there's a lot of latent septoria in these crops, and it's starting to move up these plants. Um, and also a multi-site inhibitor, whether that be chlorthalonil, folpet, but something in there to complicate and slow down the evolution of resistance within the septoria pathogen family, if you like. So very important you get all those things right. They're the three key ingredients. Decent triazole, SDHI, multi-site inhibitor. Now, as well, with the way these crops are shifting through growth stages, it's going to be important you put the right growth regulator on. So check the label, make sure it's still safe, because if you're suddenly a week late and there's potential of damage to the ear, you want to be swapping that for something else. So speak to your agronomist and make sure you are still safe. Oilseed rape uh, is moving now widely into flower, very, very widely. Therefore, pollen beetle has ceased to become a, a pain in the backside. It is now a good friend and pollinator. Um, but with the way the weather has been, I mean, there are crops which are still backward. Some of the clear field varieties are still quite backward and late getting into flower. And the, the more stressed crops and the backward ones would have been hit with disease or whatever. They're still slow. So they need monitoring still for pollen beetle. Use your thresholds, remember that. Um, but any petals which have been out for the last week or so, because of the way the weather's been, could potentially have sclerotinia in them. Therefore, once you get to 10, 15 pods set, it's a good idea to get a protectant fungicide on those petals so that when they fall off, if they stick to the stem, the botrytis and the grey mould can't get a foothold and therefore the sclerotinia can't get in through that infection of grey mould and botrytis. We haven't had a sclerotinia year for a number of years, and let's hope that this year isn't one of them, and you can be proactive by putting that protectant fungicide on those petals. Other crops then, spring wheat, spring barley, coming through the ground quickly. I can find grain aphid, rose grain aphid, bird cherry oat aphid all out there in the field on my sticky traps, and I can find them on the leaves of emerging crops. These are the ones which carry barley yellow dwarf virus in their saliva through direct feeding they will infect. So if you've got threshold you need to deal with them. Pea and bean weevil, as these peas and beans come through the ground, they're getting hammered in some places by pea and bean weevil. And that's because we normally have a spread of emergence from about the end of February through to the middle of May with peas and beans. This year, they've all gone in late. They're all coming up at the same time. And the pea and bean weevil have been sat there wondering where their food is. Now the food appears. They're ravenous and they're all piling in. So remember, a few notches does not warrant you putting an insecticide on. It's numbers which count because you're trying to stop the adults producing young because the larvae are the ones that cause all the crop damage by tunnelling down and eating out the root nodules. Um, so only treat if you need to do so. Keep them constantly monitored. Sugar beet as well. Pricking through the ground at an alarming rate along with the weeds. My best advice going forward for a complicated spring like this, you'll be switching from wheat to barley to sugar beet, back to rape, back to sugar beet, into potatoes. For goodness sake, have a good plan in place for a tank washout procedure. It costs you money and it takes time, but it will save you an awful lot of money and an awful lot of worry and heartache um, than it would if you didn't wash out and you've got a problem with contamination. So let's hope that the weather forecasters are completely wrong, as they have been in the past, and next week, summer comes back with a vengeance. <laughs> well, don't blame me. I just read it. Thank you, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy services and speaking of the weather the farming program five day forecast today should be mostly dry we're looking at highs of nine celsius the wind from the northeast 15 to 20 miles an hour that wind will get up overnight and into tomorrow, gusting at 35, maybe 40 miles an hour, first thing for your Monday. Uh, overnight tonight itself, we're looking at lows of around 6, possibility of a shower after midnight. 
Some heavy rain forecast. Indeed, quite a wet Monday throughout the day. We're looking at highs barely above 6, if we're lucky. As I say, that wind from the north, generally 25, but gusting at 40, 45 miles an hour through the middle of the day. And then Monday into Tuesday should dry out. It will be misty, cooler, 3 Celsius the low first thing on Tuesday. The wind from the northwest at 15, still gusting at 30 miles an hour for a time. Tuesday itself looks like being dry and sunny, warmer as well, 13 Celsius. The wind from the west northwest up to 15 miles an hour. And then clear skies Tuesday into Wednesday, pushing temperatures down to maybe 3 degrees. Uh, the wind more from the southwest, 10 to 20 miles an hour. Middle of the week, patchy cloud, but some sunny spells should be dry, 14 the high. The wind continuing from the west southwest, 15 to 25 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, fingers crossed it should be dry, could be some sunshine as well. Temperatures nudging maybe 19, 20 Celsius as we head into the bank holiday weekend, although the weekend itself still very much in question. The wind continuing from the southwest. We'll uh, keep a check on that as we get ever closer to that bank holiday weekend next weekend. That's the forecast. If it does rain and it brings drilling to a halt, then it is a good opportunity to at least take a look at that DEFRA consultation we talked about earlier. It can't hurt, can it? The deadline, as mentioned earlier, is a week on Tuesday. That's it for another week in the world of agriculture, though. It's a bank holiday weekend next weekend, but just like you, we don't stop. Farming never stops. We'll be here same time next week as well. My third anniversary of presenting the farming programme as well. Yep, three years ago, this very weekend, since Sally Elkington bid a fond farewell. So uh, join me for an anniversary edition, <laughs> bringing you the latest in the world of agriculture, same time next Sunday. Until then, have a good week.